All right, everybody, welcome back. Episode 19 of the Super Subs. Andy, I would ask how you're doing, but I kind of have a feeling, especially given how our week started. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Yeah. This is, this was a, this was a tough week. This was a really tough week to, to get through, uh, especially because when we found out about the news, um, of the Michigan State shooting, we were in the middle of our, our podcasting. Um, or as, as it was, the story was developing. Um, so yeah, for those of you that, uh, do not know what happened, um, last week on Monday, February 13th, an active shooter opened or an active shooter came into Berkey Hall on Michigan State, uh, and shot, uh, students and proceeded to go to the union and continue to shoot students there. Um, was eventually arrested further east of campus. Um, but sent the school into a state of lockdown. Um, and yeah, it was just a very, a very bad night and a very evil, a very evil night with a evil act that occurred. So yeah, Paul, how are you, how are you dealing with it uh, a week on? Uh, I'm just, I'm still kind of in shock, honestly. Um, like you said, it, everything was kind of unfolding while we were recording last, last week. So, um, crazy crazy for some of my family too with uh two sisters being on campus while this was happening and obviously parents and and in-laws being in the the city of east lansing when everything was going on too so mm-hmm. just yeah. absolutely nuts absolutely nuts yeah because i had i had family on my end too i know my one of my one of my family members he works uh as a at the call center uh for lansing east lansing police so i'm i'm Assuming that he was aware of what was happening, uh, at the time as well. And I have family that lives in, lives in Lansing. So, um, yeah, this, it hits very close to home for both of us. Uh, and as people know in the podcast, you know, Paul and I, we became friends at Michigan State and we really developed our, our bond for, for soccer and our bond and our friendship from our time at Michigan State. Um, so this is, yeah, this is, crazy uh it's crazy to think how as i've had these conversations with former friends um how this kind of has almost like felt like it's violated the the great memories that were at michigan state knowing that these things happened yeah so um yeah what yeah you're i don't know if you have other other thoughts on that how it's how you feel it's been been affecting you but yeah i mean honestly and i was talking to my wife about this um this past week, you know, we've lived in two of the most violent cities in the United States in Detroit and Albuquerque. Um, mm-hmm. so we, we were just talking about how we feel like we've kind of become desensitized to a lot of the, the shootings and, and killings that go on. But with this one taking place in, in my hometown, um, at a place where I, I've been on campus since I was like a baby, honestly. So, mm-hmm. you know, for it to, to be in a place like that, a place where we both went to school to, it just, it, it hit home in a very, very different way. So it's just very scary, um, mm-hmm. very real. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just in, it's still in shock a little bit and just kind of thinking about all the, all the students who were on campus while that was happening and, you know, all the alma mater, mm-hmm. um, around the country as well. So it's just, it's, awful just awful yeah Yeah, it's it's been awful and i i can't imagine you know on your end having one growing up there and still having family there and connections there with family on campus you know what you've what you've been going through but um yeah paul you know you know i am here for for you to to lean on uh in any in any situ in any situation with this um because you know it's one of the great things of college is, you know, we build these very, we build these strong bonds. Um, and I'm so grateful to know you, uh, to have, to be able to go through this with, um, not in a sense that I'm like, I'm happy to go through this, but (laughs) it's good to know that, you know, we have, have good friends around. So I kind of want to, I want to dedicate this podcast, um, to that memory of, of Michigan state for the memory of, uh, those individuals that, uh, perish, um, and just for us to just go out and vote to end 
vote really to end gun violence in this and hold people accountable for these actions and to just really hold the people accountable who are supposed to stop these actions from happening uh, in our, in our legislature. So that's all, all I can really say, say for that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as we, as we do in, in trying to move on from something like this, we turn to things like sports to try to distract us, take our minds off things and hopefully try Mm -hmm. to find a little bit of joy um, outside of, you know, our everyday lives. So with that uh, soccer, we had quite a week. We are going to skip over the game from Thursday a little bit um, to talk about our teams respectively, and we'll get to mm-hmm. them. We'll get to that game at the end, uh, Andy. So Barcelona played today against Cadiz, um, yeah. lowly, lower team in La Liga. Barcelona, however, um, ha- are injury plagued at the moment with three of their starters out due to injury between Pedri. Sergio Busquets and Usman Dembele. So, you know, Barcelona definitely playing hurt. Uh, Xavi trying some different lineup changes. Ronald Araujo was suspended due to, I think, accumulation of yellow cards. So Barcelona tried, were trying to find some answers. Played Ferran Torres on the right wing. Ansu Fati on the left went back to a more traditional 4-3-3. Four defenders, three midfielders, and three attackers. And ended up getting two big goals at the end of the first half. Went on to win 2-0. Barcelona dominated in the first half. The defense struggled in the second half. And Andy Ferran Torres, he must have been listening. He must have been sick of me calling him Ferran Toenails and all the (laughs) shade I was throwing at him because he played great. He was like lightning in a bottle. He honestly looked like... Rafinha and Dembélé gave him their their pace and their ability to take on left backs because that's what he did the whole game and he was like chasing guys down on defense as well. He was running past guys, he was nutmegging people left and right. I think he had like three mm. or four nutmegs in the game, Andy. Wow. Like that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was great. It was great to watch because because honestly this is the this is the the kind of player that we signed, not this past winter but the winter before. Um, in that January transfer window. So it was great to see he broke down, broke down the defense, got around some people, played a beautiful cross back across his body to Lewandowski, who headed the ball towards goal. It was cleared off the line by a Cadiz defender. And then Sergio Roberto slotted it home for the first goal. And then Sergio Roberto with the last action in the first half, cut through some defenders, found Lewandowski at the top of the box, Lewandowski proceeded to kick the ball around the defender standing right in front of him, completely wrong-footing the goalie, and 2-0. So that's how the game ended. But, Andy, Barcelona's defense was kind of poor today, and I'm pointing fingers at Eric Garcia. This was kind of his chance to prove himself because he had been out of the lineup for several games uh, just because he had not been playing well. And he was honestly very poor uh Cadiz came on in the second half, winning a lot of aerials on crosses into the box and off of corners and set pieces. And Eric Garcia was typically in the area where Barcelona was losing these aerials. So you really saw that Barcelona was missing Araujo. And I think Eric Garcia and Ansu Fati need to go. Mm. Like they're just, Ansu Fati, since his injury, has been a shell of his former self. He has lacked complete confidence. When he was subbed off at the end of the game today, he was very visibly upset, and I think he was visibly upset at himself because he had chances to score in the game, and just is not isn't his isn't himself. His first touch is generally poor, or his second third touch, and tends to make the wrong decision. He just looks like he's in his own head, and I think he needs to go. Yeah, so. it's not, it sounds like he's he's checked out, and if that's if that is the case, then. You know, it's probably best he looks for other pastures, pastures where he can, you know, get back to his former self or get away from the club for a bit. Yeah. Um, cause it's always, it is always intense playing for Barcelona, just like it is for playing with United. Sometimes it does, sometimes the best thing is to kind of get out of that, get out of that situation for, for his own career. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, you know, I just, and he he signed a new agent recently, so I think his agent's going to be looking for other places for him to play. And I'm you know 
I won't be sad about it. Honestly, Andy, after Messi left, I was Ansu Fati in his first first season, first season and a half at Barcelona. I was ready to buy his jersey. I wow. was. That's how good he was. Mm-hmm. But since the injuries, he's just he's just not as fast. He's not as quick, and his touch just isn't as good. And unfortunately, that tends to happen sometimes with players with injuries. So yeah, it is. Yeah, but, it 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 definitely tends to happen, and it's going to be that's something that is very interesting given what we're talking about later and how that uh, applies for the next leg of Barcelona versus United. Yeah. Um, on United's end in this weekend, uh, we got a three nil win over Brendan Rodgers, Leicester City. Uh, a really interesting game in that in the first five minutes, United dominated, uh, really took the attack to uh, Leicester. Leicester couldn't get a hold of the ball for the first five minutes. After minute five, uh, Leicester was able to look a lot more threatening. Um, we seemed a little bit disjointed maybe in our midfield, um, and they were targeting our left-hand side because there's it looked like some miscommunications between Garnacho, who started on the uh, attacking left wing and uh, uh, Luke Shaw. Uh, unfor- fortunately for United, Leicester City didn't have their um, killer instinct with us and De Gea pulled out some amazing saves. Uh, followed then in the second half with a beautiful goal from Rashford for his first one, an excellent strike. Second goal also came uh, from what Rashford does best in hitting on the counterattack and being off the shoulder of defenders. And we were able to get Sancho uh, into the goals as well. So he's been away. Uh, someone who had, had looked like a shell of a former self, almost similar to Ansu Fadi, uh, Jason, or Jason Sanchez. Wow. <laughs> Jaden Sancho. Um, <laughs> Jaden Sancho uh, actually took, was sent away by Eric Ten Hag to train in Ajax to kind of get away from it all. Um, and now he's coming back in, facing in. He's been looking like he's growing again. And he looked like Ansu Fati, honestly, before he left, where he was a shell of his former self. Like, he just looked hesitant. He didn't have that confidence of knowing what to do with the ball. Um, He just looked like a – yeah, he just looked completely phased. But now he's looking like he's beginning to to grow back. So both United and Barcelona get wins heading into their, their next big fixture, which is against each other. Um, which is, is really interesting. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we'll now go into the leagues. Uh, looks like Bundesliga, uh, we got a three-way tie at the top, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, Borussia Dortmund, Bayern Munich, and Union Berlin all played. Bayern ended up losing. Union Berlin ended up tying and Dortmund ended up winning. So there is now wow. a three-way tie at the top. And there is a huge showdown coming up in one week, Andy, between Bayern and Union Berlin in the Bundesliga. Bayern could be coming off a win or an advancement in the Champions League against PSG midweek. Wow. So we will have to see what happens with that. And I'm personally, I'm rooting for Union Berlin. I am an underdog I like to cheer for the mm-hmm. underdog, especially in the league, like we talked about last week. Yeah. So, I it big game, big game coming up in a week. Very, very big game. I'm also pulling for for Union Berlin just to break the hegemony of Bayern, uh, <sighs> taking away every Bundesliga in the yeah. past uh, ten years, I think. Um, but you know, this is a tough this is a tough test for Bayern. So, all the Bayern fans, like this is probably your crunch time for your season, yeah. where you're going up against both like your Champions League opponents, one of the toughest Champions League opponents, and then uh, going with the the contenders in the Bundesliga. So, uh, Paul, what happened in La Liga? Are, is there still a race happening uh, for the top? Yeah, I mean, there's still a race. Uh, you know, obviously Barcelona won today. Real Madrid also won. They beat Osasuna 2-0. Uh, they also had their catch-up game midweek against Elche and won 4-0. So Real Madrid maintained pace. They're still eight points behind Barcelona at the top of the table, though. So, you know, mm-hmm. Barcelona is still still at the top, but, you know, you can never count Real Madrid out. And mm-hmm. But Barcelona, Andy, they're, they're looking good. I mean, their goal differential on this season is 38. They've only given up seven goals in the league Mm -hmm. this year, as opposed to Real Madrid has given up 17. So, you know, 
Yeah. It's that's and that's been the difference, honestly, is Barcelona has has found ways to keep the ball out of their net. And when you do that, you tend to win games. So but um yeah, Real Madrid get two wins in the week, maintain pace with Barcelona, but they're gonna ha- they still have some catching up to do. So yes. I I see here in Serie A uh, that Napoli, Napoli, Napoli is the story. Yes. Napoli got a two no win against Sassuolo. Um, so they continued their winning ways. I think Inter won their game, uh, but still there's just that big, big gap uh, between them. And it looks like Napoli is going to keep rolling on. Uh, Paul, were you able to see what happened in the Premier League in midweek for Manchester City? Because as I remember you saying, whoever wins this wins the Premier League. Yes. Um, so well, do, you, do you still agree with, I, still agree I, with that? I do. But I said I said the two games, right? So I said, okay. you know, because I couldn't remember if you said the two games or if you're yes. just saying this next one. But yes, okay. so the two games. So Man City put in an excellent performance against Arsenal. They started. They looked like Man City of old, firing off shots. Kevin De Bruyne was dominant. Man City seemed to take control of the middle part of the pitch and ended up getting chances. I believe is a three-one win, right, Andy? It was. Yeah, it yes. was a. By the end, it was a quite a dominant win by City. City yes. were able to ramp it up. Um, it was close. I think it was 1-1 at going into half. Um, and then City decided to put on their clinic and pepped Arsenal. Yeah, out Arteta, yeah. Arteta or Pep just showed the uh, student who the true master was. Yeah. And then somehow, for some reason, Man City, Andy. So I, I did say... The Man City Arsenal matchup, matchup, whoever wins those two games is going to win the league. But if Man City can't beat lowly teams like Nottingham Forest, like what? Hey, Nottingham this... Forest is a big club. Okay. They've won a European Cup. City have never won a European Cup. So Forest are a pretty big team. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, Forest has been on the rise. They're up to 13th now in the Premier League. They were last time I checked, they were mm. 18th. So that team is a fever dream to me, man. Like, because if you've heard the story that they have bought 23 new players, most squads are 23 players in them, yeah. and they bought 23 new players yeah. this season. Yeah. So they have a whole different team than what they had before. Um. So there's not a lot of continuity. They also have a new manager. They're just like this fever dream, but now it's just like, holy cow, they just kind of threw everything together in the pot and out comes something that is kind of palatable and you're not too ashamed to to like it. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, they got a big win against Manchester City. Arsenal maintained their two point league lead or on top it of the was league. A tie, wasn't it? Not a win against City. No, it was a win. No, it was a tie. Haha. <laughs> You're right. It was a tie. Oops. Oops. Maybe you feel like I was in a fever dream. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Tie. It was a tie, but still. Hey, a tie's a win for yeah. Forrest against Man City. Let's be honest. It is. It is. For Forrest, that's a win for them. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, Arsenal maintains their two-point lead atop the league. Say that five times fast. Yeah. And they also have a game in hand against Man- over Manchester City so we'll we will keep an eye on that race Andy League Un I don't know if you watched that game I did PSG against Lille a Paris matchup a Paris derby I don't know did you watch that at all I didn't know Lille was in Paris they called I, the Paris derby oh okay they're, I believe their name is Paris Lille now watch me be wrong that is what – oh, am I right? I don't know. I, I think I could be wrong. I don't know. When I looked up their um, name, it said Paris Lille. Lille Olympic Sporting Club is what I'm seeing. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll go with it. <laughs> we'll go with that probably being wrong. So, um, But PSG it went up 2-0 in the first 20 minutes after beautiful goals from Mbappe and Neymar. And mm-hmm. then – Lille comes storming back and score three straight in the second half, or actually two, one goal in the first half and two in the second half, and go up three to two. And then 
PSG relied on some late magic from Mbappe and Messi in uh, the lighter stages of the game. Mbappe had a beautiful sliding shot that found the back of the net. And Messi had a free kick in the 95th minute in which he doinked it off the inside of the post just past the outstretched hands of the keeper to win the game for PSG. I have never seen Mbappe celebrate so hard with Messi. And also his manager, Galtier, went running onto the field to celebrate with Messi as well. So that was cool to see. That was a a bit of magic. That is, you know, kind of what we always thought Messi could pull out. And it's honestly phenomenal that he's still pulling that out in, in a league like legal. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. And, incredible. And a quick stat for all you guys out there, guys, gals, Messi has scored a free kick in every season since 2008. Wow. And he's got, he's got that one. So he's going to keep that up. That's honestly, those stats are always very impressive to me because yeah. that's so easy to lose track. And it's so easy to lose track in that. Cause you can just have a bad year, but the fact he's still putting that out is great. Um, yeah. Also, Paul, uh, I'm just looking at a map of France, and it looks like Lille is on the Belgium, close to the Belgium border, okay. uh, which is quite north of Paris. Uh, I don't so know Desolais. what, I was, I, don't know what okay. I was reading. I don't know. It might there. I am sure there is a derby. I'm sure there's a derby <laughs> between the two. Um, but just wanted to to clarify Thank for you. our French listeners, yes. Desolé. Um, I don't know. I'm, horrible at French, but, uh, my brother, if you're listening to this, please, please help us out, uh, with this. Cause we are, we are floundering. <laughs> Your brother is groaning right now. He's like, Lille is in Paris. What? He's like a pet de merde. Uh, I can't do this. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of PSG also, well, a quick side note on Messi. Messi shaved his beard before the Lille game and Messi is dangerous as a beardless man. So watch out mm. Bayern in the midweek game. But speaking of Bayern. Uh-oh. PSG ended up losing 1-0 to Bayern. It was not that close, Andy, honestly. Bayern ended up dominating that game. Bayern had chances to make that 2-3-4-0. And it wasn't until Mbappe came on later in the game, he came on as a substitute due to his previous injury, that PSG started to look like they had chances to score. And honestly, Andy, PSG's defense is horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With a capital. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Maybe a little bleh or yeah. bleh. Yeah. Awful. Yes. Yeah. It, it is. And, and they shouldn't be. With the amount of talent they have in their back four, they shouldn't be. But they, they just don't look like they want to defend. They look like they want to sit and watch Mbappe, uh, Messi, and Neymar mm-hmm. take the ball and score. But they just – I, I, it baffles me. It really does. Yeah. It From what it's looking like, I'm – Looking at the starting lineup, these are all players that are, at least in the, yeah, who they have as their midfield. You're not having a lot of midfielders that are like, that get stuck in defense and who love defending and yeah. love being the defensive midfielder where it's, you shield your defense and then you supply like passes. Verratti, is someone who supplies passes, but like he can get, if you press him, he's not press resistant, quote unquote, yeah. uh, in that sense. So, and you have a young man in Warren Zara Emery, you know, that's how do you put a night? If you're putting a young man in to a, a champions league game, he's going to get found out by a team as solid as Byron. Like Byron's always going to be a solid team. So, yeah, 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 it's not looking not looking great for Paris Saint-Germain. But but they they only have to make up a one goal difference. So yeah, and then they're and it's yeah they only got to make a button goal difference and anything anything can happen yeah. uh, on European nights. So well, speaking of European yes. nights, Paul, oh should we get into the Super Subs Derby, yes. aka Barcelona? Versus Real or Manchester United, Real Real Manchester, Manchester United. United. <laughs> um, let's let's get into it, man. There was oh a gosh. lot of talk, a lot of talk going into this game. I know we had given our predictions, but let's say like waking up Thursday, that Thursday before the game, and before you were watching the game because you actually watched it later than I did. You watched it on a replay. I was yes. able to watch it live. 
Yeah. Because um, you work from home and some of us have to go into the office still. I know. I know. I am privileged. <laughs> I understand. Um, but um, what what were your feelings leading up to the game uh, up until you saw the lineup? Let me just ask you that question and then we can get into uh, what do you thought with the lineup? Honestly, I was still I still stood by my prediction, even seeing the lineups. I still stood by my prediction that Barcelona was going to win 2-1. And mm-hmm. I was one own goal away from that being correct. So, mm, yeah. you know, I, I, I still stood by it. Um, you know, I, I felt confident Barcelona at home has been very good this year. And your news to me about a Manchester United missing a couple of players due to injury as well, injury slash suspension. Um, you know, I was still feeling confident to one and, Obviously, that didn't happen, but we'll get there. Uh, Andy, what did you think? What was your prediction you going know, into I think that? I, I think I predicted a – I believe I predicted a draw. I you predicted did. a 1-1 draw. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then I started getting into the – diving into the web of YouTube and looking at, you know, how different, <laughs> how different fans were feeling about going to Barcelona, and a lot of them were not – weren't – like we're kind of kind of scared and they thought like they were probably going to lose the game. I it's really funny because like beforehand I was like, you know, I'm seeing like hearing you talk about Barcelona and you are not always glowing with what's happening at Barcelona. So that yeah. kind of made me think like, oh, we might have a chance. And yeah. then I was able to step back and actually remember that it's like, oh gosh, like you have so many clean sheets. You <laughs> have a great winning streak. Like you don't give up goals. Yeah. At home. So then I got scared. <laughs> and then I remembered what ha- had happened in the Champions League in, in your group yeah. and how there was a bit of struggles happening for Barcelona in Europe. So I was like, oh, maybe there's a, there's a chance there. And United, in our big games, we have come through, especially Rashford has come through in all of our big games. So our most informed striker is also not going to go missing like Romelu Lukaku in big games. <laughs> so I felt a little bit more more confident in that, and then I realized we also had players missing, and then I was like, oh, shoot. So going in, I had I lost all expectations, and I I think I put my draw back to back to a loss. Okay. Um, so we get we get the starting lineups uh, that happen. Um, really, ours. I had predicted my starting lineup for what was going to happen, and it it came true with having having Weghorst, having Bruno Fernandez, having Rashford, um, having Sancho. All of them were all of them were there in the attacking sense. You know, we had the midfielders that we could only provide, uh, which were Fred and Casemiro, uh, and our back four was it picked its picked itself given the given the task um, with uh, Shaw playing at center back. Um, and having Malasia and Aaron Juan Basaka on the right to deal with uh, the attacks that you would be coming through on your left. Uh, but it did look like it was surprising on Barcelona's end with their starting lineup. Um, what did you, what did you make of that? Uh, kind of confused. <clears throat> so Chavi, not this part, but Chavi switched Araujo and Kunde around to put Araujo at right back in order to counteract Rashford. But they actually switched Rashford to more of a central striker. Mm-hmm. So Barcelona, partway through the first half, actually ended up switching Kunde and Araujo back. But for some reason, Alejandro Balde didn't start, even though he's been Barcelona's best left back so far. And Andreas Christensen didn't start, even though he's been Barcelona's second best center back so far this season. So you have Jordi Alba starting at left back and you have um, Marcos Alonso playing left center back, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Turned out it ended up working for Xavi on the offensive end because Marcos Alonso got the first goal for Barcelona early in the second half. Right. But that, I just, it didn't. Didn't make a lot of sense. I'm not gonna lie. Barcelona tried their their four four midfielder lineup again, obviously without Sergio Busquets, but you know that tended to work in the first half until Pedri got hurt, 
And I'm really upset about that, by the way. Non-contact injury. Do, for Pedri, yeah, that yes. was. Did you think that was a foul? I honestly didn't think there that no. was. I didn't think it was a foul. I think no. it was just no, it, no, no. I don't think there's no. I don't think there was anything in it. I think it was just unfortunate. And he's going to be out for a month now. So it looks like Barcelona are going to be without Dembélé unless he can make a magical recovery, but he's still probably not going to be back in time. They're going to be without Busquets and without Pedri. Um, but I'll get to my thoughts on what that means for Barcelona this week's in, this week in a little bit. Um, but yeah, KG, KG start nil nil first half. Um, mm-hmm. by the way, I'm really upset. I think your, your guy, Bruno Fernandez is an absolute goon. And oh. dude, did you see what he did to Gabby? That was not a foul. I actually had that in my nope. notes. It's like that it was no. Nope. I'm not that talking. Was not a foul. That was, yeah. I'm not talking about the foul. Mm. I'm talking about early in the first half when Gavi got a yellow card for his retaliation. Mm-hmm. Bruno Fernandez, when the ball is away, he kicks Gavi's ankles. He swipes mm. at him. Go back and watch it. Because I, I watched it. I I had put that on. I had put that on, being like, yeah. Gabby did foul Bruno. And I saw like the replay of that. It was it was a foul. What Bruno Fernandez was doing was just getting in Gabby's head or Javi's head. It before before it happened and after. That it, is dude, that it, is gamesmanship. Anyone is, is allowed to do that. That is a punk move. That is a goon move. That is low class. I. That is that is the game. That no, absolutely is no, is the game. Kicking people is not the game of soccer. He didn't, Andy. So one one he did not kick. I don't. He did not kick. He did. I, he th- made contact. If if he didn't make contact, was, Gavi wouldn't have turned around and pushed him. I think what was happening was previously, I think Bruno Fernandez was just like nipping at Gavi, just really just egging him on, and that's what he was doing. And that is a very I honestly think like that kind of gamesmanship is astute in the grander context of it because you need a player like that in order to win really tight games. So for me, I don't think it was that egregious and also that he was a little bit doing it. I'm actually, I'm okay with it. When I, what, also with what I was seeing, I didn't see any kick out. I honestly just saw like he was just trying to get his footing, get his footing back. So for me, that was there's okay. nothing in that Gavi Javi fell for it. He fell for it no matter what. And that's how Bruno got the upper hand in that battle. So for me, I don't see anything wrong with it. It was it was a low class. But anyway, no goals no goals in the first half. Barcelona end up drawing first blood off of a simple corner. Marcos Alonso sneaks on the back post, out jumps. All of Man United's defense sneaks a header inside the near post. One nil to Barcelona. Yeah. Well, Barca- well, go ahead. Sorry. We're, I just want want to backtrack real quick because because we we're talking about lineups. I was actually very impressed with what um with what Eric Ten Hag did and what he his strategy was. He didn't have Weghorst play up at the top, and you usually think like, oh, you're six foot six guy. He should be up at the top so you can peg long balls into him. What Eric Ten Hag did was actually had Rashford start up at top and have Weghorst play as a number 10, even shifting him out to the right. So when De Gea had the ball at a goal kick, he would kick it to the far right, hopefully aiming for Bruno Fernandez, and then have Weghorst there to win a second ball or win the scrap because he's this big six foot six guy. You're expecting him to utilize his natural strengths to make that happen. The first five minutes, that was absolutely working. And then after five minutes, Barcelona got wise and realized Weghorst is, I, he has ability, but it's just, it's not coming through all the time and it's not at the highest level. So they're able to kind of figure that out. But in general, I liked what I saw with that because what it allowed United to do is able to stretch uh, Barcelona's back four uh, because Barcelona do like to press up a little bit higher. So having someone being able to, take care of second balls and then try to ping one over the defense to uh, running Marcus Rashford. I thought that was very astute from Erickson Hogg. Uh, but yeah, getting back after, um, after halftime with the goal, Fred losing his, his marker, you know, that's why you brought in Marcus Alonso was he's used to mm-hmm. that physicality from his time at Chelsea. Um, so kid getting back in, 
that was a that was a key win uh, by Xavi in that uh, to select him in there. So that that definitely paid off. Yes, and, and until five minutes later, when Marcos Alonso does not have the pace to play Barcelona style of a high line. And mm-hmm. Xavi loves to play a high line. And the reason mm-hmm. that he can is because he typically has speedsters like Jordi Alba or Balde at left back, Andreas Christensen at center back, and Ronald Araujo at center back slash right back, right? Mm-hmm. Marcos Alonso got absolutely torched by Marcus Rashford on that through ball. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He did. And Rashford, Marcos Alonso like looks like he's about to catch up and then Rashford just snipes a shot. And yeah. I don't know how Ter Stegen doesn't I, save that when it's at I his don't near know, post. I don't know how Rashford made that go in. I honestly have no idea. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I don't either. And honestly, it was it was class. It was a very class goal. Uh, Rashford gets the goal to not the game up one one, and then mm-hmm. minutes later on a cross into the box, Jules Koundé yeah. doesn't see the ball through the massive bodies and ends up chesting the ball into his own goal. You know, I got I got to say I got to say this from Marcus Rashford's goal. I forgot to to mention this because yeah, he ahead. threaded the needle like the spinning jennies and the uh thread looms of industrial Manchester. That's how well he threaded that. So he Ooh. just embodied all of Manchester Ooh. in that shot. And what brought them to the Industrial Revolution? Oh my gosh, this was the most poetic, oh poetic goal to make that happen because, like, Ter Stegen is a very good goalkeeper. Yeah, I don't think any, no one knew how that happened. It was just, I think, just from the power of Marcus Rashford mm-hmm. and how he was able to get that in and slide that in, timing wise, just Ter Stegen just didn't get there. Yeah, what a what a goal! It was what a goal, and what, it, it a, was very what a stage. He was the first person to score since Dwight York in the 90s. So 30 years since someone had scored at Barcelona, playing against Barcelona uh, at the Camp Nou. Just absolutely for, phenomenal. For Manchester absolutely United, phenomenal. correct. For Manchester United, correct. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah, this is in counting 1999 when Ali Gunnar Solskjaer scored uh, because – and uh, Sheringham scored because that was against Bayern. Uh, and this was a neutral venue for the 1999 yes. uh European Cup. Um, yes. So yes. Okay. So yes. So, second. Second goal. Yep. Um. From second goal, I have to, I have to get into this because when it, the shot happened in PSG, I could you could sense that Rashford was talking with Shaw on this corner. So the second goal came from a corner, and you could I could sense something was happening between Shaw and Rashford that they were going to do something, and it sounded like Rashford was like here. I got, I got this. Give, give it back to me in terms of passing. So what happened was he did a short corner, passed it to Shaw and Rashford's like, Oh no, give it, give it back to me. I got an idea. It sounded it sound like in the sense of like, Hey, give it back to me. I got an idea. And he goes one on one with Rafinha and you could see it from the side, just how he just absolutely schnip schnapped Rafinha just made him, made him look silly. I'm sorry. He just made Rafinha look absolutely silly defense. Defending. I don't know. I don't know why you're apologizing. You're just telling what happened. It, it made him. It made him look silly. And yeah. like Rafinha is not silly because he ended up like scoring the tying goal later on. But just made him look like a fool, just an absolute fool. And so Rashford is able to snip snap in there, crosses it in uh, on the ground. Um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka somehow was not able or wasn't able to get onto it. I think Bruno Fernandez actually got to it first. He flicked it up. It looked like Erwan Basaka was going to head it in, but I think it went to went to Kunde. Really unfortunate uh, by Kunde, but honestly, I think that's even though it is an own goal, I think that is very much created by United getting yeah, that ball in I mean, and making putting that ball in a dangerous area where Kunde's just kind of left to dry in either yeah, sense. Yeah, and that's, Kunde was left yeah. left guarding a guy in front of him and behind him. Yeah. So he has to touch the ball, and unfortunately, he just doesn't see it very well, and it ends up going off of him in the direction of his goal. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I yeah. Agree. But, yeah. you know, Manchester United's up 2-1, and I'm starting to get upset. Because... We're, putting on, we're putting on the pressure, too, at this point. Yeah. Like, we're... Yeah. I I do have to say that if you are upset with um, what Bruno did uh, to Gavi... I'm incredibly upset that Rashford got a no call just in the foul before the box. I don't think it was necessarily a penalty from where it was, but that was a foul. That was a hundred percent a foul. 
It was not – he – first of all, he cuts in front of the, the, the defender. The defender does not make contact with him. He jumps out of the way of the mm. attacker, and the and Rashford goes down. Honestly, Andy, that no. was a dive. That, that should have been a not, yellow card on, on not, Rashford. That was not a dive. Yes, it was. You can see, you can see Rashford luring in the defender first to try to cut across, and Rashford got in front of the ball before the defender. Yes, and, and then the defender anything, jumps out of the way out of the way of the path of the attacker does not make contact and Rashford goes down. That's a dive. Oh, but he, did make con- he did make contact with Rashford though, because Rashford had established cutting across that he did have control of the ball. And so then got pushed over having, having it gone down. That to me, that to me was a foul that because the same thing happened to Gavi a little bit later and he got his foul. So the fact that, Rashford didn't get his, but Gavi got his. That was just very poor refereeing. It's like if you're oh, going to I, call it, call it both ways. Yeah, I'll I'll get and to the referee. I think Rash. Yeah, I think Rashford's was definitely more apparent than than Gavi's. Yeah, and but, even even if the referee had called a foul, it was outside the box. It would not have been a penalty. Correct. Yeah, like so. I'm not I'm not arguing for yeah. a penalty, but like that should have been that should have been a foul. I I disagree, but again, I'm a Barcelona supporter, so. Um, but okay, going on later into the second half, Rafinha. Rafinha had a great game, honestly, on the right side. He was very electric, other than mm-hmm. other than in defense, but he's not known for being a defender, so I'll forgive him on that. But Rafinha took the ball, sprinted past a couple players, cut back onto his left foot, plays a beautiful ball into the path of Lewandowski. Lewandowski so smartly doesn't touch it, and the ball just finds its way into the back of the net, and Rafinha yeah. gets a goal in a huge spot in the 72nd minute, and it's 2-2. And that was then, that was huge. That was absolutely was. huge for them. It yeah. was because, like you were, like you said, Manchester United was bossing the game at that point. And then that Rafinha goal goes in, and the tides change back to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we have the game just open up like crazy, and there are chances both ends of the teams running back and forth. And then Andy, and then there's the no call. What there's no call? The, the no call on Fred. Where Sergi Roberto heads the ball towards Lewandowski, Fred has his arm straight out away from his body. Oh, it's Cl- not straight out. Yes, don't, it is. Don't, don't it be is. like that, Paul. Nah. <laughs> Go back and look at the pictures. His oh, I, arm is. Oh, I saw. Oh, his I arm saw. is straight out. His arm is in a non-natural defending position away from his body. The ball hits his arm, not coming off of a kick, not coming off of a knee. Not coming fast enough where he can't get his arm out of the way. He tries to pull his arm out of the way, but it still hits him in the arm. His arm is out away from his body. In the box, that's a penalty. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a Manchester United fan. I don't care if you're a Bayern Munich fan, a PSG fan, Barcelona fan, a Real Madrid fan. Anybody who watches that, that's a penalty. I... I honestly did not think that was a penalty. I think it was at most I think it was dicey because when he is running and throwing his I think throwing his upper body movement to like try to block, I think that is a natural movement. It's no. not it is not awkward. It is not like the um game I think it was against Leeds where the guy if you see the goal against for United, the penalty for United against Leeds, the guy's arm was up, his hand was above his head. In this, Fred's, I think, hand is maybe like at his shoulder level. So for me, that's not necessarily unnatural to have it completely out and him extending it out and also him not trying or Fred trying to get it close to his body. I think that's enough to be like, okay, that is not a penalty in that one, it's not an unnatural position, and he's also trying to get it into a more natural position. For me, that means it was a it was a non penalty. For for me. That's just for me and how I see that. Um because even though United is was penalty United a couple of years ago, some penalties are soft, some penalties are hard. This one I just think is I don't want to see everything come down to a penalty for me. And like, for me, that just, there wasn't enough in that for me. Andy, his arm is straight out away from his body. I just sent you a link of a photo of it. His arm is straight out away from his body. 
So how that's not a penalty, I don't know. He, Fred is trying to chest the ball, but he doesn't realize Sergio Roberto is cutting across him to head the ball. So he is trying to chest it. But as you know, as you would chest a ball in soccer, right? You kind of mm-hmm. pull your arms to expose your chest to chest the ball down, right? Yeah. But Fred, it, then instead of having his elbows in, he extends his right arm straight. Where if you look at in that photo, his arm is straight, and it is out away from his body. It is in the box. But it's not and, an unnatural position because it's not a. Above his shoulder. It, it doesn't if matter. If you're running. Arm, if you are arm, running, Paul, <laughs> and then yeah. having to slow down, your arm is naturally going to be outside of your body. And then if you have to get it closer, you have Fred's, to move it in. And Fred's that's what Fred's not doing running. Here. Fred's not running. Fred is in a position where he is stopped to chest the ball. After he's coming not running, from running, he's not. After he's coming not running to, run to cover that, he, he is just not, came from that spot. Yeah. Right, but he it, he this is not a position where he's slowing down, Andy. He is trying to make a play on the ball where he's chesting the ball, right? So he's trying to pull his arms back to expose his chest to chest the ball, but then he extends his arm out and the ball ends up hitting his arm in an unnatural position for his spot on the field and what he was trying to do. Your arm, yeah. even if your arm's not above your head, your arm can be in an unnatural position if it's, you know, below shoulder level, you know, I, you could stick your arms straight out from your sides, like you're playing defense in basketball. That's an unnatural position. In so- in soccer, in I soccer, I understand because it's the difference. In my understanding, is that it's based on running. It's based on like if you're trying to use your body and contort your body, you do have to use your arms. So you do have to have them out at a similar level. Can you? Can Fred do what he's like? initially attempting to do without having his arm a little bit out to me no he has to have some sort of like a little bit of balance you can't have someone defend with their arms straight on each side and then trying to chest the ball that's not that's not able to happen so (laughs) there has to be some leeway so that's why with this it's like i don't i don't think that's enough it's not egregious now if his arm fred's arm if it was extending straight out and kept extending straight out when the ball was coming towards him, that to me is a handball because you're absolutely trying trying to use your hand to affect play. But if your arm is out in a little bit sideways from making a movement that is, in my opinion, natural when you're trying to move and shuttle around, you have to have your arms out. Because like even look at um, the player he's defending. Was that got Javi or Pedri? Um, I can't see from the from the number there. But even like you look at his arms, right? Yeah, you see I just, I just sent, arms. There's I just like, those you, are out. I just sent you another picture. <laughs> this dude, this is egregious. His arm is straight out away from his body. You're when you when you defend, you don't defend with your arm it's out, Andy. You don't. It's a penalty. I'm sorry, I don't care if who you're you coming, are. If you're coming if you are coming in, if you are coming in, your arms are in a defensive position in any sense. Your arms can be out just from like the aspect of trying to get closer and trying to like steady your balance for me. So yes. And seeing this, does it hit his arm? It does hit his arm. I'm not saying it never hit his arm, but I'm saying like, I don't think that is enough in there to say that's an unnatural position because he still has to use his arms in some way to kind of balance him as he's going in to make that play. I disagree, but that's where we are. Uh, But anyway, game ends 2-2. We will agree to disagree. And who's going to win this week? Um, In my opinion, it's probably going to be a 3-1 United win because of the injuries that Barcelona has, especially in the midfield. Barcelona's only goes as far as their midfield goes, and I just don't think they're going to be good enough playing Sergio Roberto uh, Frankie de Jong and Gavi, or if they throw Kessier in there, it's just, it's not going to be good enough. And I think United's going to win, unfortunately, because the injury bug has bitten Barcelona. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate because I want to definitely see both these teams go at it like they did for this tie. Honestly, I think we were so blessed to have that game. A 2-2 draw, four goals in that game, where in so many other instances, other teams would have just tried to lock up shop and just like 
just try to either hit each other on the counter and just play very defensively with no one giving it anything. In this game, both teams gave everything, and it was amazing to watch. Like, if you're in neutral, if you don't care about soccer, you're going to love this game. Absolutely. This is end-to-end stuff. You have players attacking, committing. You have, you know, incredible saves. You have, like what we just discussed now, you have controversial calls. You have, you know, exceptional goal scored. Rafinha's score exceptional with the ball that he's crossing in. Rashford's first goal. Oh, my God. We were treated to one of the best games, I think, this year. I think this, like, this game rivals World Cup games in terms of how good this game was. It probably is going to rival a lot of Champions League games as well because of just how these two giants that are trying to get back into the ascendancy of trying to dominate European football, how they were just going at it to show that everyone had, everyone had it. Um, and it was, it was glorious to watch. Honestly, my heart was racing at the end. I haven't felt that way in a long time watching United where I was so into it. So I hope you did enjoy the game just as a, as a spectacle, Paul. Um, I, I did. I did. Um, and <sighs> I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to my super dud of the week. I think my super dud was the referee of that game. I think that referee <laughs> was so poor on so many levels. And honestly, not just for Barcelona. I think he missed calls both ways. I think he did a poor job of controlling the game because I think the game started to get out of hand towards the end as well. And I just – I don't know how he doesn't consult VAR on both the, the Rashford decision and the Fred decision. You know, not, I don't. It's not egregious enough. That's what. That's that's how VAR works. It's like if it looks like it's clear and obvious. So it wasn't. It wasn't clear and obvious on on Fred's thing, or apparently not on Rashford's thing either. Which, yeah, that's that's something where it's. And I'm not. And by yeah. by the way, I just watched the the Rashford quote unquote foul again. Rashford jumps back into Jules Kounde to create the contact, and as Rashford is jumping back, Jules Kounde jumps out of the way, and Rashford quote-unquote feels the contact and falls down dude that's a dive by the way that's not so a, go, that was go not back a go back and watch the clip it is absolutely not absolutely not a dive absolutely not a dive i don't i just i disagree i just absolutely yeah. disagree that's all right because, we'll, we'll just we'll just have to agree because he, he establishes i just think it because he establishes that he is in front of the ball that rashford is in front of the ball so yeah and, making any contact is it like well, here's the, here's the thing. Kunde doesn't make the contact. He doesn't. Rashford literally mm. turns his head and jumps back into the defender. So, so Kunde, he, Kunde, Kunde did, but he did make contact. So what well, Rashford no, no. did is not, so no, I'm, no, what I'm said, saying is like said, Kunde. You said created the contact. Yeah. So Rashford, it's already. Rashford jumps back into the defender, just like in basketball, mm. when an offensive player jumps into the defender to create the contact, mm. when the defender's in a legal guarding position, it's not a foul. But then he was in an illegal guarding position. So that's still, no, no, it's no, still no, 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 right? Andy, you're not listening. If the defender is in a legal guarding position and the offensive player jumps into the defender, so the defender doesn't create the contact, the offensive player creates the contact, that is not a foul on the defender. I get, so I get that, but there, I, there still watch, for me was enough con, there still for watch, me was enough watch contact. Watch the clip. Watch the clip again. Rashford literally turns his head and jumps into Kunde and then falls down to try to get a penalty. Well, he initi- so what he does is he initiates in that in that video, he's looking back at Kunde to be like, "Okay, I know you're still going forward in this spot. I am going to get in front of you now seeing that you're starting to lean forward so that because like your forward momentum is going to do that, Kunde may have been withdrawing at that point to try to get back into his position. But at that yeah, point, Kunde, he's already Kunde gone too is, far. Kunde is withdrawing, and the offensive player creates the context. So it's not a foul. It's not. Mm, it's I disagree. Not. I just disagree. I well, disagree. We'll just, I disagree. We'll just have to disagree. So anyway, I jumped ahead. My super dud of the week was the the referee for this game. I think he did a very poor job. And uh, yeah, that was mine. Uh, Andy, what was your super dud of the week? So my super dud of the week is Erling Holland, um, because 
having scored 26 goals, I know people at the beginning of the season were saying, even quoting saying that like Holland shouldn't be playing or that like Manchester, Manchester City should be playing only 10 players because if they have Erling Holland start because he's just too good. And he is, I'm not saying that he is not good because he is great, but he is just like any other player and they will go through a slump and he is in a slump right now and he is kind of hitting a dud where he had an open goal against um, Forrest to extend, either extend the lead or overcome the, tr- or overcome the draw. For me, if you can't, if you can't score and you're in a title race, that's why they paid you all the big bucks is that you're going to find ways to score those goals. So for me, that's the, that's the goal or that's the super dud. Um, to get back to the, the breakdown of who you th- I think wins this week. I think advantage is United, but I, I'm very curious because what I noticed was that in general, Barcelona, I think struggled with the physicality of United, but I think United struggled with how well Barcelona played with the ball. So it's going to come down to, honestly, I think it's going to come down to the referee. If the referee allows for a more physical game, I think United dominate, but I don't even know if it's dominate necessarily. I think we get a slim victory. If it is equal, I think it ends, it may end in a tie. I think we might even lose. Um, and no. then. You're, you're not losing yeah. this game. I'm sorry. Barcelona have too many pisses, pieces, excuse me, missing from, from the midfield. And Barcelona, like you said, Barcelona controls the ball, controls the midfield. They were very good, especially in the first half and towards the end of the second half. Jumping on those first balls, those second balls, um, really getting all over the, the midfielders and the defenders for Manchester United. And I just, I don't think that the replacements have the quality that Chappie's looking for or that Barcelona's, excuse me, Barcelona's looking for. So I think it'll be interesting to see, but really if Barcelona are just able to frustrate United enough to get a draw, then you go into penalties, you know, then it's, then it's anybody's game. So this is, this is still tight. I think it is advantage United um, going into home, but I I I don't know. So we just gotta we just gotta wait and see. Hopefully the game is as good as this past week's game, but you know we'll 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 definitely have to wait and see. But I am very excited yeah. to see to see what happens because this is yeah this is big for both our both our clubs. So yeah. Andy, who is your super sub of the week? I so my super sub I have to give it to Jaden Sancho. The fact that he went away for so many months also got snubbed for I it honestly it's not a, even a snub because he was not showing the form to deserve a World Cup spot. But to come back from not being selected by for the World Cup from being touted initially when you came in as one of the most expensive signings and not necessarily living up to the standards of the price tag, which I think is ridiculous because the price market in the transfer market is just always inflated and it's not reflective of what always reflective of what that player is or the expectations. Money shouldn't necessarily equal expectations in my opinion, especially for a young player where you're thinking this has to draw out over a long period of time. So to come in with that, to then have a new re- regime, two new regimes in your first season, to then go with Eric Ten Hag to come in to say, "Hey, I don't doesn't look like you're like right both physically and mentally. I want you to go away for a bit." Like that usually can like destroy players if you're told that. So for him to come, go away, train, work his butt off, come back in. And starting to get back and start getting back in the goals and the feel of things. Fantastic. He is super. He's going to make good, I think. Um, he just, he's young, just, re- just needs time to get back into, back into form. So for me, he is the super sub, Jaden Sancho. Have a week, son. Who is your super sub, Paul? I am, I'm giving it to Ferran Torres for having a fantastic performance I almost against Cadiz today. My... My whiskey. Yes. Who? 
Yes. Who, who's Fran, Fran Torres? I know Fran Toenails. Yes. That sounds similar well, to this person. Are they yes. the same person? It's, are they different? They are, they they are, are the same people. person. It just depends on which one. It's like uh, Dr. Check, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm. Uh, this is the the Mr. Hyde version. He he showed up today against Cadiz, played a fantastic game, broke guys down on the dribble, went past two, three, four players, and helped create a lot of Barcelona's offense. Uh, he was great. So yes, I am eating eating my words from the past, but he must have been listening. Was sick of every, all the crap we talked about him, and even though he wasn't a sub, I am giving the the super sub my super sub of the week to Ferran Torres for Barcelona. Heck yeah, heck yeah. So. Well, thank you all for for joining in on this very uh very boisterous uh show of very all encompassing. We started with yes, you know, starting with deep, going in to just kind of the uh, little small talk, and then we went to the absolutely nitty gritty of this game. So thank you guys for listening in on this. I have been Andy. Paul has been Paul. And with that, guys, we will bring this back, seeing what happens, uh, first or see what happens between Barcelona and Manchester United next week. We'll see you all later. Big old bye. bye.